Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in back at you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is back in. Good to have him here. Loaded up and a busy show. Plenty of college football. Some thoughts on the Nebraska offense. More to add to the quarterback competition. And you're welcome to join us. Dial us up 466-3776-466-37-76-800-825. 5865 numbers to get in. Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So the impossible has happened. And I love this. The Hale Varsity show has always been on Apple Podcast, but it is now on Spotify podcast platforms. It is on Google Play. And uh, that's big time, man, with uh, Heard at uh, Sports Media. That's, I'm excited for that, that it's going to be um, a part of the, the, the great entree of incredible podcast over at Heard at. We're excited. I told you it happened. And of, 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 of all the crap that's happened in 2020, my, I kept hope alive that the podcast would someday be on the Spotify platform, and that, that has happened. All right, how many times did I say it was in the works? You told me it was in the <laughs> should have never doubted me. Dude, I, I didn't doubt you, but it was more of the blow-off answer. <laughs> and you weren't lying. You weren't wrong to say, nah, it's in the works. It's, it's done. It's on Spotify. Yes. I'm so excited. I mean, this has been something I even said it last week whenever I was in here. It's like, I'm working on it. I'm getting Spotify. Goals. Up. Graduate with honors. Uh, enjoy my time, Spotify podcast. I mean, it's right there. Oh yeah. I mean, we talk about team goals because that's probably been written out on on a whiteboard somewhere at Memorial Stadium. You know, team goals: win the West, compete for a Big Ten championship, go bowling. The NCAA coming through with that one earlier today, uh, officially that every team's eligible to go bowling. Uh, that's now uh, in ink, drying by the NCAA. So let's get you the lineup. We'll talk with Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Babbers, uh, your authority on all things Nebraska. So Babbers with us in about 15. Uh, Mr. Mike Babcock. Shuey is with us. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And you have today that's phenomenal golf golf weather and uh, you have Saturday that's supposed to be in the 70s, and that is awesome. I, I hope to get out and, and swing the clubs on Saturday. Uh, we are at Wilderness Ridge on Friday. Live show, me and Chewy. Poor Elijah will be uh, duct-taped back here in the studio 
but we are live four to six happy hour with Hale Varsity. We want to see you out on the deck. They have heaters, they have TVs, they have cocktails, they have social distancing. So come enjoy a beautiful fall uh, in the scenery, right? On top of a, a lush golf setup, they've got trees that are just popping color right now. So come see us Friday uh, out at Wilderness Ridge. Shuey in 30 minutes. Brad Edwards, ESPN College Football Insider. And then Jacob Padilla from Hale Varsity going to get us rolling in hour two. Uh, get his take on the quarterback breakdown. He has looked at that, has a really nice story up on HaleVarsity.com. And also with practice underway today with the mayor and Nebraska basketball uh, let's uh, let's get Jacobs four one one on you know what are some possibilities for Hoiberg and this basketball team. I'm super excited about that. I saw Doc, old, good old Doc, doing the uh, McDonald's Larry Bird Michael Jordan tribute on social media, where he I don't know where he was positioned. I think the second level of the practice facility where he chucked a shot, it bounced and then went in. So, Doc already won in, in, in a horse Did, this week. Does he have, have any college eligibility left? I, mean, I don't know. That could be a fun one to pull out during a game sometimes, pull My, up in the crowd. I, and, Doc used to live around the corner from us before he left Nebraska. I love Doc. He's always come on when we reach out. And <laughs> I had a different dog then, but I'd always walk Sam the Labradoodle um, around the block a few times when I used to, to walk my dogs and <laughs> and I have two that I hate some days but but Sam would always pee in Doc's yard and once in a while Doc would be pulling in or out on his front stoop and he just he was so kind if, yeah, chew on the other foot if I had someone's dog peeing in my yard all the time I may throw something at somebody but he was cool <laughs> So Doc's awesome, and maybe maybe he didn't notice this this white fur ball. At least it was just pee. <laughs> Let's get into the offense uh, and talk a little bit here about Nebraska, and uh, again read uh, Doctor Petey Derek Peterson's story. And to his point, and and he asked this yesterday to Coach Frost. I mean, it's it's been an offensive explosion. Here's what I think. I think your offenses are. That high-flying, I think your offenses are that deadly. I think they're that good in space with skill guys. And look at Pitts at Florida, right? The tight end. You see it in the NFL, right? With uh, just match-up nightmares. And the ball's getting out quick. There's perimeter blocking. And you, you have seven yards before you can get off a block a lot of times because you're getting fast high agility dudes in space and you're forcing people to do one-on-one tackling is a nightmare in football because you have less contact you've had less reps at it you had this stupid pandemic that screwed your your preseason and your spring for a lot of a lot of schools i i don't know how good nebraska's defense is going to be okay but i think they're going to be more physical and they've been working on tackling, 
Okay, that's a lot of things you can take away from yesterday's Zoom meeting. But with Scott Frost, he is just putting his dudes through the ringer to get them ready for the Big Ten. And while Nebraska's amped up and gotten better physically, I mean, we're talking 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", go up the line, on the lines of scrimmage. I mean, Nebraska's got more of a Big Ten build and body on top of the conditioning with Coach Duvall. So that, that, that is in there. And Rick Pizzo nailed it. Now it's time to go execute. You've got the body type. You've got the conditioning. You're going to have some depth. Now go make some freaking plays, right? I mean, and, and it, it's okay. Nebraska fans been been saying that, nodding their head about that off and on for the last 10 to 15 years. When it comes to offenses, you know, I think Nebraska could have an advantage in, in any other league. I think the Big Ten, because of how rugged it is, Iowa hasn't forgotten how to tackle. Minnesota's been traditionally good at tackling. Penn State's pretty good, assuming their other studs don't opt out. Ohio State, I mean, that's that's who you get out of the gate. And they're NFL secondary. They're NFL 11, right? I mean, they're supposed to just reload. So I look at that situation, and, and I don't know if Nebraska's offense isn't coming out of the gate because of who they play scoring 40 or 50 points like you're seeing in the SEC, it's not time to to lose your mind on the Nebraska offense. I just think it's a product of the league you're in. I think the defenses in the Big Ten will be a little bit better. I still think overall uh, you're going to see a bit of an uptick in in points produced. I think you're going to see a Frost offense not have a problem scoring some points and it, it's progressively gotten better despite injuries right to the quarterback spot and think if think if the quarterback spot gets done right and what i mean by that is you have an injury free highly competent and very confident player at quarterback in adrian martinez or you mix in mccaffrey or mccaffrey wins the job i know these certainties i think the offensive line is going to open holes and I think Diedrich Mills is going to run the football. What do you get at quarterback to balance the offense out? And, and Elijah, what do you get at wide receiver, right? I mean, I'm glad Warner's doing what he's doing, and I think he can be big for whoever's throwing the football to him. And I think Warner can be big for blocking on the edge, right? I think you're going to have better edge blocking for Nebraska to do that bubble, right? So that'll be good. That'll be some some yards, right? But I don't know, as we zoom out, Wandale's nice, okay, Alante Brown's supposed to be good. What do you get? Because this is the, uh, the, the, the double-edged sword part of this with amping up the physicality and, and making this just a, a pretty treacherous build-up to kick off. You got to go physical and you got to beat the hell out of one another, but you can't nick each other up. And that seems to be what's happening with some of the – the, the, the high-level athletes uh, when we think of what Scott said yesterday about you know some of the guys at wide receiver being dinged. So we don't know where the wideouts will be. O-line, running game, question marks, quarterback. And it's not a negative that it's a question mark. It's just a question mark right now and in, in where the wide receiver's at. Think of it comes together. Uh, and let's, let's talk about this out of 10. See, say it hits 7 out of 10 times. 
with your receivers are stepping up, they're playing at a high level, your, your ground game and your O-line's good, you're injury-free, and you're getting really good quarterback play. Nebraska, it, would it shock you if they're putting up 45 a game when, when, with everything being optimum? I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. And even in the Big Ten, uh, that, that may be uh, a bit high uh, of a ceiling, but maybe high 30s. And I think if you score in the, in the mid to high 30s in the Big Ten, you should win most of your football games. That's, that's just kind of how I feel. Uh, it doesn't matter when I look at Nebraska's schedule or not. Your defense just has to be a little bit better on third down and a lot better stopping the run. See, a question that we discussed a lot in the months leading up to the football season was who's going to be dominating come week one? Is it going to be the offense or is it going to be the defense? Who's I think it's, all, be, it's got to be offenses. Uh, I mean, like, look at the SEC right now. It feels like, especially in the SEC West, you've got to put up 40 points if you want to win a game. Bama's allowing 30 a game. Mm-hmm. LSU and Bobo's allowing uh, 32 a game. And Florida's allowing 33. And meanwhile, Lane Kiffin's scoring half a hundred and he's one and two. Yeah, it feels like you you got to put up at least a 40 spot in the SEC, and then you look at the Big 12, and it's even higher. you got to put up a 45 spot. <laughs> you got, dude, you, you, you may score 60 points and win in, in overtime. Look at, look at Texas and Texas Tech. So, so my question is, is, when you're looking at this Husker football season, what's the number that you're putting on it that the, uh, the offense has to score to, to give them a chance in every single game? I'm looking right they around gotta, that. They got to score 35 to 38 points. That's what I'm looking. At. I'm looking at that 35 to 40 range. If the offense isn't putting up points in that, in that range, it's going to be tough. Do we sound to drunk by saying, "Well, the offense got to go get five touchdowns"? I mean, 12, <laughs> I mean that that seems so exorbitant, but it's not in today's college football. At least not to the start of 2020. Exactly. Exactly. 35 to 40 for a Big Ten normally. Yeah, it seems ridiculous. But for college football 2020, it's even on the low end of things. Pac-12, you got to go put up 40. Big 12, you got to put up 40. Feels like SEC, you got to put up 40. I'll say this, man. When's the last time somebody not named Ohio State put up back-to-back weeks of 40 against Iowa and Wisconsin? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just asking out loud. When, when, when has that happened? Maybe. 2014 for Iowa, their four and eight season. Maybe when Wisconsin went eight and five, you know, the year after they went thirteen and one. But I don't think it was a defense. It was their offense scoring ten to thirteen points. Where your defense is out on the field all the time. We haven't even gotten into, you know, Harbaugh is known as a, a pretty good offensive coach. You know, Michigan's still looming out there. Indiana, I mean, they, they can score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. But you've got Ohio State, right? You've got Penn State, and, and then you have your Iowa and your Wisconsin's. Those are your kind of cream. And, and then you have Nebraska trying to surge up. Okay, Minnesota was really good last year uh, with an 11-2, and two, so I don't want to discount them either. Uh, but I, I look at Indiana Nebraska's game last year, where that thing was just a shootout, and it was it was entertaining. But I mean, it was it was tough for Nebraska because they came out on the short end of the stick. They started out explosively, so you know, optimum wise, what's what's realistic for the Nebraska offense? What can they put up? What's an expectation you have? And you know, mid to upper 30s, is, is that too outlandish? You might say no because of how college football's rolling right now in 2020. You might say yes because the Big Ten is just a better league theoretically. 
defensively can join us at 466-3776-4663776-800-825-5865. can also uh, find us via email, chris at hailvarsity.com. Uh, the uh, Twitter handle, at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. We'll talk about this with, with uh, Mike Babcock here very shortly. Uh, also interested to get Babber's take on not only Coach Frost, but just the quarterback room and how you should go about handling this uh, when it comes to the quarterback, when it comes to if and how many snaps Luke McCaffrey gets. Does he win the job? What's the likelihood he wins the job? And color me shocked that it is as close as it sounds from the head coach. And it's not that I don't think Luke McCaffrey is a really good football player or has the ability to go win the job. I just thought Adrian is your guy, and he still may be your guy in Columbus to start things off. But it comes down to, to maybe losing the job or or injury. How how fearless can he play? And the thing you got to ask yourself, too, I mean, what, what will set things apart in this offense is how quick of a blinker you are, and you've heard it time and time again, but what can you do as a runner in this offense? Can you run pretty fearlessly? Mike Babcock's next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! I'm, I'm trying to work Jill St. James is sitting down here and chatting with me and Mike Babcock. And she's, she's just like, no, no, this is water. Just before you accuse me of anything. Elijah Herbal's in. Uh, news coming out on Pinnacle Bank Arena. The watch party for Nebraska, Ohio State will not, will not be held at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Journal Star, make that World Herald just reporting that uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena will not be hosting the watch party on October 24th. That was supposed to be an 11 o'clock kick. Tom Lorenz, GM for the uh, arena, uh, today notified officials with the city of Lincoln and Lancaster County Health Departments that officials had changed their plans. You've got the COVID pandemic. It's unpredictable. You've got such a high number of cases and hospitalizations. So PBA is reconsidering the event and, you know, God love you if you were going to go there and do that, not judging at all. Uh, go watch football, support Nebraska, do your thing. And I have no doubt PBA would have handled this very well when it comes to safety and health and spacing. Uh, outdoors is where I, I will be. Uh, we welcome in Mike Babcock, historian, author, uh, and a Hall of Famer with Hale Varsity, uh, 40 years plus of Nebraska excellence at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, how many points a game for Nebraska's offense? What do you think? <laughs> we, we don't even know the quarterback yet, brother, but let's just start throwing numbers out. Well, now, wait a minute. We do know the quarterback. It's Adrian Martinez. Okay. Um, uh, gee, many Christmas. I, I have I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? At I mean, least, you didn't, least you didn't hang the phone up on me. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched these games, and, I, it, you know, to predict something uh, relative to this college football season is uh, madness, I think. I mean, it's just uh, – <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh We've seen upsets. We've seen uh, 
you know, I guess Alabama and Clemson have hung in there, mm-hmm. but uh, they've had to score some points in some situations. So, uh, gosh, I, I I just don't know what to expect. You know, I think that I think that to put it in the context, I think it's a good thing that Nebraska is opening with Ohio State because I think you want to start the season with the with the best because you don't know. Um, First of all, you don't know how far into the season you're going to get. I assume you're going to get all the way, but mm-hmm. I take nothing for granted. I see two SEC games. One is for sure uh, postponed, and the other one is in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just don't know week to week what what the what's the situation is going to be. So I think it's I think it's probably good that Nebraska is playing Ohio State right off the bat. Um, I think Nebraska has been doing things the right way. I think Nebraska will be prepared to play the game, uh, and and that's all you can ask. But you know, how many points a game is Nebraska going to score? I we'll go game by game on that. We'll see after the first game. We'll see. I'm just um, curious about it because you know they under the the Frost uh, offense, you, you had a really good outing the last time you were in Columbus, right? Mm-hmm. And and not so much when you were in Memorial Stadium. And I, I think the the option in the opportunities there with your run game and your line, again, in the uncertainty that is 2020, you got to feel good about that uh, for Nebraska because of the experience and the talent you got there. When I, when I brought up the quarterback spot, I know Adrian's uh, the returning starter, this thing seems pretty tight, Mike, uh, with 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 Adrian and McCaffrey, and let's go there. And you know, you've seen a lot of quarterback battles uh, over the years at Nebraska. You know, what's your read on this here, based on what what Scott did on Zoom yesterday? Here, what do you what are you thinking? Any tea leaves you're reading through, or are you just kind of letting this thing play out? And you know what, it'll be it'll be good for Nebraska either way. Well, I'm going to preface this by saying that, I, that, that my opinion is, is probably in the minority on this. Um, and, and I do think that there's competition for the job. I think the competition is, is intended to make everybody better. Um, I don't dismiss that possibility. But one of the things, not only ability and experience are taken into consideration, but also the confidence of the coach. And, if it, you know, my experience has been over the years watching the way uh, the coaches at Nebraska have handled this thing and particularly the, the time I watched Tom Osborne deal with things like this um, you Adrian Martinez has earned the job and it's his to lose and it's his to lose in a in a in a game mm. okay so at, at this point yeah there's competition in practice there's no question about that and if and if it was clear, just absolutely clear that Luke McCaffrey was the better choice, he'd be the guy out there. But in listening to what Scott Frost said, um, and, and I think that a coach is going to be guarded in any kind of question like that, um, I don't think that it's clear-cut that, that he's a better quarterback than Adrian Martinez or that he's shown better. You know, there are things that he's still still learning. So... Adrian is the guy. He's the guy that learned the job. It's his job to lose on the field in the game, and and that to me that's the bottom line. So, if if there are opportunities to get Luke McCaffrey on the field, um, maybe you got two quarterbacks in there, you know, like they've done, or mm-hmm. 
you know, something like that, um, yeah, he's going to get on the field. And, you know, could he be a starter? Yeah, no question. In another context, I think he could be. But it's Adrian's job to lose. That's my opinion. Again, I preface that with I think that's minority opinion on that, on things. But I think that you have to have, that's the other component is, you have to have the confidence of your coach in order to be successful in addition to all these other things. And I think that, that Adrian has earned that because of his experience and until he shows otherwise on the field in a game, that that's the way it's going to be. Mike Babcock is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, what I'm hearing here is you're confident that Adrian's going to be the guy come week one. Uh, but when you look at a full season of nine games, I know it's hard to say now, but do you think that Adrian will be the guy for all nine of those games? Or, or do you think that we could see an injury, uh, meaning Luke McCaffrey come in, or bad performance from Adrian, meaning Luke would come in? Well, um, like I said at the beginning here, and I'm going to quote a so I covered the Champaign Central High School beat for about three years when I was when I was working for the Champaign for paper in Champaign Urbana, Illinois. I covered every game, whatever. And the first thing I asked the coach, first time I met him, I remember something about with the upcoming game, and he said, "After the game, ask me, and then I'll know, and you'll know." Um, <laughs> to me later. <laughs> yeah, which is a, a great answer. It's like, okay, well, thanks for that. Um, but that's what I'm. Saying after the first game, ask me that question and we'll have a better idea of it because I just don't know from week to week. All I know is going into that first game, Adrian is the guy. And, it, you know, do I think that Luke McCaffrey has the talent? There is no question about that. Um, speed, the whole bit. Um, but again, it's a job that has to be earned. And, you know, Scott Frost played for Tom Osborne, and that's the way. You know, that's the way Tom did things. I mean, take the example, and, you know, I'm an old guy. I'm going back in time now. But take the example of Brooke Beringer came off the bench in, in 94 and led Nebraska to the Big 8 championship um, when, when Tommy had the, had the blood clot problem. And, and it, you know, he, he stepped in and he had the job, but um, it was Tommy's job ultimately to lose and when it came when Tommy was finally healthy ultimately that was his job and that's where things stood I mean it, it it's difficult to I'm not explaining myself very well but but that component of knowing that the coach has confidence in you that comes from you're having earned the job initially um, is an important component I think of success at that at that all important position. Mike Babcock's with us. Hail Varsity Magazine, HailVarsity.com at MD Babs on Twitter. We're talking the quarterback spot. Last thought here, Babbers, a couple of minutes before we got to jump out, but with Scott and his you know background as a quarterback and dealing with the Frankie London situation and, and how that's <laughs> kind of shaped him, you know, do you have any doubt that he'll be able to navigate this because uh, someone's got to start and I think both kids are great kids so I think they'll be good teammates but there is disappointment if someone doesn't win a job oh no question no question about that and and I think that yeah Scott will do a great job what happens in that quarterback's room with coach Produsco and mm-hmm. then what Scott Frost adds to it um, is 
it's it's all positive. I mean, it, Logan Smothers is in the conversation. The the kid from Carney, the walk on mm-hmm. player, uh, it, he's in the conversation in the competition because all those kids are getting better, um, and that's what you have to have. But uh, um, yeah, I have no question that that Scott knows that part of it. I mean, he he had the experience. Um, he he dealt with a lot, uh, not just on the field, but the fact that he, you know, from the fans, the fact that he went to Stanford first and came back, a lot of fans took a long time to accept him, and some of them didn't accept him until he made that impassioned plea after the bowl game that Nebraska deserved a, a champ, national championship. Um, then he got him there, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Frankie London, that was that was great. Central Florida, so Scott gets booed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because well, Frankie comes in, he determined, <laughs> you know, that Tom said it would happen. And maybe maybe Scott will do that. Hmm. You know, maybe he'll have a pre- predetermined series in the first half where he puts uh, Luke McCaffrey in. Well, what happened, that's the way Tom did things. I'm, I'm interested to see it shake out. And if I'm Ohio State, look, i got to prepare for a couple of guys. And, and I know, but I think your take is is so smart on on Adrian and and how he's not the quarterback I mean and that that's just that's just well thought out man Babbers uh, what's coming up in the magazine I've got about uh, 45 seconds I know the, the new issues uh, off to the printer yeah well we got some football because there's thankfully. real football <laughs> thankfully you know Brandon did a, an extensive uh, sort of look at things you know football getting ready and we got uh, part two of the series on the 70. Uh, national championship season 50 years ago, first one, and and uh, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good football in there. There's a little bit of basketball. Um, we're moving. You didn't expect football to be here, but it is. I can't wait for it. Mike Babcock with us. Hail Varsity Magazine. Hail Varsity. at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, a lot of fun. We'll check in next week. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, be safe. Thanks. All right. All right, good to hear from Mike. Babcock will head out to Wilderness. A little golf thought, and Chewy will throw in some football. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider. 25 minutes away, we'll say hi to Jacob Padilla. Some hoops and football thoughts on the Big Red. Mike Shuhart right now is smiling because it's just fabulous weather out at Wilderness Ridge. Wilderness Ridge Golf is where you find Shuey. We're there Friday for happy hour with Hale Varsity, another live show. Friday out there on the deck, they've got heaters. It's going to be about 60 and gorgeous. Come see us 4 to 6. Shuey is riding shotgun. Shuey, how's your day, man? It's awesome, man. Can't beat this. Sun's (laughs) out and temperature's up. I don't even know what what month is this. Sure doesn't feel like October. It, it is it like and, June. Yeah, and we're we're midway home, and and you've got the perfect weather. You have the perfect, you know, uh, paintings on all those trees out there with the colors. Oh yeah, and your greens are still giving people the middle finger, and that's a compliment because I played them on Saturday, and let's just say the tee shot was good, the putting was not. I should have just kept my blindfold on, Chewy. 
Yeah, our green's got a little speed to it, man. They're beautiful. <laughs> rolling fast, rolling true. You better know what you're doing. Well, that's the problem. Uh, I got to see you. I got to come see you more to help out with that putter. But let's uh, dive in. I want to go football first with you. And Babbers had no idea with how many points a game for the Nebraska offense. Give me a number, Shuey. That's where we're going today. Let's predict the, uh, the, the points per game. It's weird because the Big Ten's going to be supposed to be better defensively. But, I mean, hell, Bama's allowing 30 a game, right? So what do you think the Frost offense can put up? Ah, uh, man, I'm in the mid to high 30s. All right, good. So we're all uniform here. I like it. Yeah, because it sure seems like the offenses are way better than the defenses so far in what we're seeing. So offenses are putting up some serious points, and the defenses can't seem to stop them. So, and I think our offense has got some weapons that are going to be pretty good. I think you're right. Now, do you have a, a thought on the, uh, the quarterback competition? Well, I think it sounds like it's very close. Mm-hmm. So, and I think both guys will play quite a bit this year, actually. Because I don't. It sounds like they're not hesitant to pull one, take, put one in. So I think you're going to see both of them get some reps. I still think Martinez has a little bit of the upper uh, hand. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't think you're off there. you got to go with experience, even though there's no one in the stands in Columbus. Mike, I know it's reasonable to think Adrian's going to be the starter, but who do you want to see walking out in the field for that first drive against Ohio State? Uh, I would like to see him. I mean, just because of what you've seen in the past, what he can do. You know, if he can put it all together, be pretty consistent with his athleticism and, you know, what he can do, make plays on the ground, in the air. You know, he's he's pretty fun when he's on to watch. He's pretty good. Mike Schwartz with us. Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey is normal Wednesday spot here at 440, and uh, he'll be riding shotgun with me Friday, 4 to 6, happy hour with Hale Varsity out at Wilderness on the deck. No, let's, can't wait. Uh, that's gonna be so much fun. We won't need a no. we won't need a tent either. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> she, he's like, let's get a tent. Last time. Well, yeah, last <laughs> time it was uh, it was August twenty fifth or twenty sixth, and it was one of those a thousand percent. Dear God, let's not have two a day August days, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, we we lost to forty pounds sweating it out, but it was it was awesome. It was so much fun, and so many folks came out. It was awesome, and we want to see you again and. The deck is uh, the way to be with Wilderness. So we've got a month here from, from the Masters, and between the the, the climate, the, the, the time, uh, you know, let's, let's dive in a little bit before we talk about Vegas this weekend. And, you know, how are guys, I guess, trying to go about getting ready for, for Augusta? And, and it's going to be a different Augusta here in a month. Yeah, I mean everything is so screwed up on how their scheduling is and what they what they typically do to get ready for those tournaments because used to it being first tournament now it's the last tournament throughout the season so it's like they're trying to maintain some sense of normalcy and how they would prepare for all of their majors it's just they're kind of in a different order you know but yeah, and it's not easy to do because it's such so late in the year and so different I mean guys are used to shutting things down by now. You know, and they still got one of the, if not the biggest tournament of the year, still in the play. So, you know, it's like they played a long season, and how do you stay 
not so much motivated, but just and you keep your energy up to be able to, to to have it ready for that tournament. So it's going to be interesting. Shuey, what was your routine like as you got ready? And then I ask this because I look at uh, DeChambeau. He's taken a month off before the Masters. And folks got to know their body. They got to know the mileage you put on. Uh, that said, you, know, you need to keep playing. And so what was your routine like? And, and are you surprised uh, Bryson's stepping away the month before Augusta? Uh, I always do, you know, because I was a little the opposite. I felt like uh, I needed to keep playing and playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. So I played constantly all the time. I didn't take very many weeks off, you know, for a couple of reasons. I wanted to stay sharp. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep working on my skills, doing what I'm doing. And you never know when you're going to have that week where everything kind of falls together. And I want to be playing in a tournament when that happens, <laughs> you know. So I just never was very comfortable taking you know, a week or two, three weeks off and feeling sharp enough, even though I probably was, it just mentally I didn't feel like I was sharp enough because I hadn't, hadn't been in the competition, competing all the time, staying mentally in that frame. So I was one that wanted to play all the time, you know. But there's a lot of guys that just they, they take two or three weeks off, recharge their batteries, you know, get their body back 100% so they feel very comfortable, strong, mentally, physically, and they're ready to go. So I was not one of those guys. I like to play every week. Mike, about 90 seconds left here, and it's obviously beautiful golfing weather in Lincoln right now and this weekend, but it's going to be even more beautiful down in Las Vegas this weekend. Highs around 90 degrees all weekend for the CJ Cup. Uh, Do you know anything about the golf course they're playing at down there, Shadow Creek? Uh, I don't. I know just a little bit about it. It's a pretty unique golf course. I'm kind of surprised they are playing there because that was a golf course that was designed – with a lot of different characteristics of some of the most famous holes around the world Ooh. on it. So it's going to be really neat to be able to see it, you know, because it's not very easy to get on that golf course to be able to, to even play it. So it's going to be fascinating to kind of see the golf course. I think people will be very uh, intrigued by it. So, and I'll be intrigued to see what guys kind of shoot on that golf course. Give me so a- it should be very challenging. Give me a win place show real quick. Man, I don't know. You know, you know Bryson's obviously not playing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on top of his game right now. So you're going to see again. I keep going to some of these young guys. You know, Matthew Wolf, I think, Victor Hovland, Abraham Answer, Joaquin Neiman. Some of these guys that are, haven't shut it down, they're are continuing to play, continuing to play. And they've been playing really well, you know. Uh, Terrell Hatton's another guy. So if Terrell's playing, I know he just won overseas. So if he plays, he's a he's a really good choice. But Mike. Matthew Wolf, man, he's been on a roll. He's been good. Mike Shuart. Shuey, we will see you Friday, brother. Can't wait to be out at Wilderness, bud. Thanks for the time today. I know. Can't wait to be on the deck. Doesn't get any better. And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, the game of the weekend, Georgia-Alabama. We'll see how that goes. You have a statement here by Alabama. This from Bruce Feldman just out two minutes ago. Early this afternoon, there was notification given that Coach Nick Saban and Athletic Director Greg Byrne tested positive for COVID-19. 
Both immediately left the facility and went to their home to self-isolate after receiving that information. So, we will talk with Brad Edwards in 10 minutes about Bama, because you know that LSU and Florida, I mean, what, he had a couple of walk-ons, a couple of staff members, and 18 players from Florida test positive. Now, how did they get it? And I'm not blaming, I'm just wondering how they got it. Did somebody breathe on them, on them wrong with people in the stands? Were you out kicking it at a club afterwards? Which college kids will do or god forbid someone made a tackle on you and you caught covid um i i I know this that saban was more masked up against ole miss and and ole miss has had some some covid cases as well so that's the latest Uh, we'll talk with brad edwards espn insider bama graduate about Saban and Athletic Director Greg Byrne. That's some son of uh, former Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Byrne. So uh, who knows if they postpone Georgia and Alabama. That was supposed to be a 7 o'clock deal. Do you, does, does Saban get on Zoom from his office and scream at people in the booth? I'm kind of kidding, but not really. Because if he's got to go isolate... That that's not going to allow him on headset. I don't think you got to punt the game if he can't be there, but you need to to rapidly test everybody he's been around. Real quick, want to remind you about your friends at West Blue Realty. Are you moving in twenty twenty? West Blue can help find that residential home in Lincoln or surrounding communities. They're excellent at that. When you mention Hale Varsity. West Blue Realty can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom Luby a shout at 402-540-3768. Tom can help. Also, how about Kelly Hofschneider? Kelly does a great job at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Go make an appointment today with Kelly. Go make an appointment today with Tom, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Quick note before we go, uh, still on this Florida topic here, uh, is that Florida, uh, before their trip to Texas A&M, uh, the root of the outbreak was because a couple players in the team uh, had symptoms of COVID but thought that they were allergies and did not think they needed to report them. Mm. Mm. So it's the, oh, it's just seasonal allergies. And then boom, half your team is COVID. Not, I shouldn't say half, that's no exaggeration. No, but, but no, I know what you're saying. But that's that's kind of a son of a bee. Honestly, because you you think it's just allergies and you give it to your buddy because you coughed or you've had a sneeze session here or there. But man, the other thing, though, too, is, I mean, look look at all. Can you trace it? Where where, where am I going to trace these guys getting it that they thought it was allergies? Mm. Did, Did you get it from fans in the stands? And I've been super pro fans in the stands. But I'd, I'd like to know. Give me some contact tracing info. Hour 2, Brad Edwards up next on Hale Varsity.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2 at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Brad Edwards in just a moment. Uh, this from the World Herald, our old friend Will Bauer, reporting that the Nebraska track team has suspended practice amid a COVID-19 outbreak. This coming down about five minutes ago. And uh, there was enough of an outbreak with COVID-19 for Nebraska t- track that... Uh, Coach Gary Pepin confirmed it today, according to a source, per Will Bauer's story, a number of athletes on the team tested positive this week. The team's roster includes more than 100 athletes. Pepin said he didn't know how many had tested positive, but it was enough to shut down practice until at least Monday, October 19th. And uh, when it comes to contracting it, uh, Pepin said uh, the team's been working their fannies off to keep athletes as safe as possible, as has the athletic department. And uh, the contraction of the virus has been in innocent situations unrelated to group gatherings or trips to downtown bars. It's not like they haven't been doing what they're supposed to have been doing, is what Pepin said. So we'll keep you updated. Kudos to Will Bauer for his story. We say hi to Brad Edwards, ESPN Insider, college football and uh, college game day. Brad, uh, COVID's the topic, man, and it's been uh, just an insane 2020. I want to lead off with Saban and and Athletic Director Byrne uh, contracting and testing positive for, for the virus. Does this put the game Saturday against Georgia in jeopardy, in your opinion? Yeah, look, it's um, you, you try to connect dots because the schools are only going to be willing to tell you so much. Right. Um, earlier this afternoon, at the same time as the, the Florida LSU game was being announced as postponed, uh, Lane Kiffin in his press conference said that Ole Miss is dealing with an outbreak on its roster, and I think I think that kind of got lost in the shuffle because a lot of people were were you know following the bigger news, but. Um, I kind of look at that, and then I see this on Alabama, and I, I put the two together, and it's like, all right, I, you would think, regardless of whether their previous opponent from a few days ago had had any COVID issues or not, you would think that if the head coach and the AD have it, there's a pretty good chance that that at least someone else on that staff has it and that probably some players have it as well. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but I would I would think, given what we know with the Ole Miss situation, um, that that's also in play. So whether there's you know still a chance that the game could be postponed, I don't know. I'm sure we'll learn more tomorrow as far as you know what the numbers look like on the Alabama roster. But uh, clearly, having to take the field for a top three matchup without arguably the greatest coach of all time on your sideline um, that changes things. Now, um, just getting back to the football aspect of it, uh, Alabama does have five people on that staff who have previously been FBS head coaches. And mm-hmm. so the early indication is that Steve Sarkeesian will, will take over the, uh, the acting head coach duties, and uh, he will certainly have plenty of help from guys who've been there before. 
And would you put it past Saban to somehow be able to zoom into somebody in the coach's box? <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of serious. I'm kind of not. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know what types of restrictions there are on that kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, and and whether that is outlawed. Um, I'm sure. Look, if there's a loophole, Saban <laughs> is is going to find a way. You know. <laughs> So as long as there's a gray area, um, he'll you know he'll get there in someone's ear, but um, it, it definitely will be weird. And I, I tell you what, it does it automatically creates an asterisk on this game if Alabama were to lose. Mm-hmm. Now it might not matter because if if Alabama and Georgia went out to the SEC championship game and rematch. Uh, we know that the the second game, the one for the conference title, is going to mean more to the selection committee anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's certainly one of those that if if uh, Alabama were were to lose this, and it ends up being the only loss, I, I don't think that there's any question whatsoever that they're going to get a pass from the selection committee if they're having to uh, play the game without saving. Brad Edwards with us on Hale Varsity Radio, College Football Insider, ESPN at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter, and we're talking about uh, Nick Saban and uh, Greg Byrne testing positive for COVID. And last thought on this before we get into some, some you know, offensive football talk. With, with Old Miss and their outbreak, any, any knowledge as to the, the, the tracing of this? And, Brad, to your knowledge, what's the, the testing setup like? Is it – is it three times a week still in the SEC? And I look at Nebraska, and the reason I ask is Nebraska's – I just told you about the, the track team for Nebraska. Well, the football team's yeah. tested every day. So is this a situation where could somebody have contracted it from fans in the stands? Is it player to player on field? I mean, that's where I'm going with this. What's, what, yeah. what do you know? I've always assumed that this stuff would start off with – you know, players just mingling with the regular student body, right. or, you know, with the rest rest of the students. Now, once once someone picks it up that way, though, then if, if they're not testing daily, then, you know, the, it can affect all sorts of people before they find out about it, depending on exactly when in the week. Now, let's, let's look at the Florida case, because I don't know enough about the Alabama one, because that one just came out within sure. the last hour. But what we're told with Florida is that they had tested on Thursday – and got the results back on Thursday night uh, as far as, you know, who was clear and everything to, to play against Texas A&M. They were, you know, all go. I don't believe they had any positive test, and so everybody gets on the plane and they fly to College Station. They play that game. What the, the reporting this afternoon is that apparently there were some players who had some symptoms like sniffles and things like that, and they um, – and this is – this is a little bit of a leap. This is this is Twitter news, so let me just couch it with that. Um, this is not at this point being reported by by anyone an official story that um, that some of the players. But it's understandable. It makes sense. The players were reluctant to mention their symptoms because they didn't want to be held out of the game or sent back home or anything like that. I'm assuming they figured it was nothing, and um, they played. And I don't. I, most of them, I don't believe, showed any. You know any symptoms beyond that and then all of a sudden you have this major outbreak when they test again on monday now i believe someone said that florida this just this week started the everyday testing okay and that's kind of how they had uh had caught this i'm not sure if that's uh if that's true but but certainly last week it appears that they weren't testing every day 
So um, wh- while that is a key to it, as you know, there, I mean, everything I've seen up to this point has indicated that the, that the daily testing, the rapid result stuff, is not as reliable mm-hmm. as, as the other type of testing. And so what the Big Ten is, you know, is, is basically banking its season on, um, it, there, there's, there's not a 100% success rate with it. And so I think that's, that's a little bothersome. And the fact that the SEC has blown up the way that it has in the first three days this week with two postponements and now this news about Saban – uh, not to mention the news about Ole Miss, which to this point neither of those has resulted in the postponement. Um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of reason to be encouraged if you're the Big Ten when you looked at the SEC and you say, well, you know what, they started later and they appear to have this under control, and now very clearly they don't. Mm-hmm. So it just it tells you that if the Big Ten doesn't have this under much better control than the other conferences do, their their thresholds. Um, are not going to allow them to play games that some of these other schools have already played. So um, it's uh, I'm, I'm starting to get worried about the Big Ten seeing this SEC news this week. Brad, just looking specifically at this weekend of games, I mean, with Alabama, Georgia, Florida, uh, and uh, LSU, it was shaping up to be one of the better weekends of college football, at least that was my estimation as of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, would you say that this weekend has now been essentially ruined by COVID? Because, I mean, the, the two top games have been taken off the board. Yeah, I mean, it, it. Yeah, one taken off the board completely, and the other one at least compromised in some way. And, and who knows, that one can end up disappearing as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you could make that argument. Now, of course, before we we knew anything about the the COVID situations with these teams, the the LSU Florida game was already you know already had taken a serious hit because of both teams losing on Saturday. But at the same time, I think I might have been more looking forward to that game than I was before. <laughs> But just because it figured to be like fifty to fifty, I mean, like n- neither defense could stop the other one's offense, so it was it was going to be an exciting and entertaining game. Um, but uh, but now it's not going to be played, and uh, and hopefully Alabama Georgia will because I don't know if you guys have looked at the schedule, but the, the Big Twelve had already planned on this being a, a bye week for mm-hmm. most of the conference, and with the with the Baylor Oklahoma State game uh, being postponed once again, another COVID casualty. Um, the I'm using that term casualty in sure, football sure. terms, of course. Um, yeah. The um, it left one game, and that's Kansas. The, the Kansas West Virginia game is that's the only Big Twelve game this weekend, and and so you've got a few you know not very compelling games in the ACC, and so all that was left was the SEC from a power power five standpoint, and now we've you know lost one of the better games in that conference, and hopefully not more. Otherwise, man, it's gonna it's gonna be a rough Saturday, Brad. Uh- a thought on offenses here, and I look at Bama allowing 30 points a game. I look at what Florida's allowing, LSU and Bo and Orgeron pretty much saying, look, I I support you, Bo, but you, you got to simplify things, and that was Monday. That was the message. What, what's your take? Is it is it because offenses are just that high flying in 2020, or is this offensive point total coupled with – people in space and bad tackling because of, well, less practice time due to COVID. Yeah. What do you make of the point totals? I, I think there could be a little bit, bit of it, you know, where you know, normally you come into the season and coaches are always saying it, it uh, defense is ahead of the offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it was so unconventional and there was no spring practice and, you know, disjointed preseason practice for pretty much everybody, 
maybe that contributed a small amount, but I, I think most of what we're seeing is is specifically related to the SEC, and that between two things, um, SEC has kind of had an offensive explosion. One is uh, is Tua. Uh, when when Tua became the starter at Alabama, and they they really opened up that offense, and then second was the Joe Brady Joe Burrow combination at LSU last week, uh, last week, last week, last year, which um, which resulted in in arguably the greatest offense in the history of college football. And when they're going out there with a a, a very talented quarterback and and big time receivers and. They're chucking it around on uh, a high number of plays, and especially the, the rate that they passed on first down. It showed everybody in the country, really, but, but more the SEC teams that hadn't yet bought in, um, what you can do with an offense like that. And LSU, late last season, faced what I think were the two best defenses in college football in Georgia in the SEC championship game and Clemson in the national championship, and they – neither one of them had a chance of stopping LSU. And I think, I think that opened a lot of eyes, and I think there's just a lot of SEC programs that have changed their approach to offense and what it needs to be. And uh, I don't know if the defenses will eventually catch up and adjust, uh, but for now they don't seem to have very many answers. And uh, when you combine all the concepts with the tempo, um, you're just seeing guys just out of position all the time. And – to me, that's it's not really the points as much mm-hmm. that resembles what we have been seeing in the Big 12 in recent years. It, it's the fact that there's so many receivers that are running wide open <laughs> against defenses that didn't account for these players somehow, and um, that used to be a very Big 12 thing, and now you see it, uh, you know, even in the SEC. Brad Edwards is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brad, that scoring explosion—do you think it will extend into the slate of Big Ten games that we got next weekend? It, it could. Um, now, of course, you don't have a lot of the, the big-time matchups uh, in week one in the Big Ten that you would expect to be back and forth. Back, most of them appear to be relatively one-sided on paper where you think there's going to be a lot more scoring coming from one team than the other. But, you know, I, I was actually looking at some numbers today and uh, just the increase of, of high-scoring games in the SEC, and I was looking – specifically at the number of games in which both teams score at least 35 points. And I was going back through recent years, and what jumped out at me is that the Big Ten has had by far the fewest number of those games of any conference. And so um, obviously there are some teams in that league that play really good defense, but maybe maybe the final frontier for this is actually the Big Ten. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but if you look at it, you know what's going on across these conferences, the Big Ten has been the least likely conference to have a game where both teams you know are scoring at least five touchdowns. So um, it'll be be fun to see if um, if that's what we end up getting. Brad Edwards with a CSPN Insider College Football and uh, ESPN Game Day, of course. Brad, thanks for jumping on with this this week. Uh, let's hope we have uh, football to talk about uh, next week. And uh, always appreciate your insight, man, and uh, looking forward to a Big Ten kickoff next week. Thanks for, for jumping yeah, on. Yeah, it's going to be great. All right, bud. Looking forward to it. Take care. Thank you. It's Brad Edwards with us on Hale Varsity Radio. So, in, in his point, with the way things have kind of gone wildfire with COVID and the SEC, 
uh, he has a, a valid point about concern for the Big Ten. So you look at the Big Ten right now, either they're going to be looking great for, for waiting as long as they did with the rapid test, or does this thing also hit the Big Ten? I mean, the rapid test seems like a game changer right now because that's what they didn't have for Florida and Texas A&M. They couldn't go test the guys the morning of the game. Well, and it just it comes down to accuracy, though. Mm-hmm. And is, there are some tests are more accurate than others. But if you're getting tested every day, I mean, give me a give me a negative test a couple of days in a row. We'll uh, spend some time uh, on the quarterback race with Jacob Padilla, Husker Hoops. His thoughts next on Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Brad Edwards, his thoughts on COVID, on Bama, on college football. See, we get Big Ten football here. And what's it going to look like at quarterback for Nebraska? Also, Husker basketball underway, their first practice. We welcome in Jacob Padilla from HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, what's up, man? Good to talk with you again. How you been? Hey, it's good. I uh, just uh, went to the store a little bit earlier and uh, almost got blown away when I stepped out the door. been a little windy today. As I say, it, it's a good day to have the, the wind at your back if you're on the tee box. Uh, not so much if you're going into the wind, man. And I uh, really loved your story on, on Nebraska basketball at HaleVarsity.com. Also, you're uh, padding the stats column uh, with the quarterback uh, competition. And let's go there, Jacob. You, you've looked pretty in-depth at the sample size you have with McCaffrey, you've covered and seen Adrian in his two years now heading into year three at Nebraska. And what what did you take away from, from Coach Frost yesterday? What have you read into or tried to translate with Super Mario, Verdusco, and, and Lubick? We'll hear from him tomorrow. But how do you size this race up right now? What's, what's your gut telling you about just how neck and neck it is? Yeah, I, I guess my gut is still telling me that Martinez will trot out there for the, the first snap uh, on October 24th, but um, just kind of the way they're talking this week in particular, um, it, it <laughs> I think that's, uh, it, it's not, I don't feel as good about that uh, prediction as I have basically the entire offseason. Um, and we don't get to see any practice. We have no idea what McCaffrey's looking like. All we have to go off of is what he's done previously, which is the uh, um, outside of his high school tape. It's the, the spring game and the 12 passes he threw last year outside of his runs, obviously. Um, he played about 51 snaps as a quarterback. So that's all we've got to go off of right now. And based off of what I saw in the, those snaps, like I, I didn't think it would be that close um, if Martinez was healthy and um, kind of – was able to learn from some of what happened last year uh, and take a step forward. So if if McCaffrey has taken a bigger step forward than Martinez has and kind of made it a competition, then uh, I guess it, it'll be a tougher call for Scott Frost because obviously Martinez is the guy he brought in here in that first class, kind of his hand-picked quarterback, and he's uh, started 21 games. It's not often a, a team has a starter coming back who's got two years of starting experience under his belt and he's in a fierce competition and in danger of losing his job. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of once we're able to see what the coaches have been seeing, um, once we get out there and see kind of who takes those snaps and 
how uh, that guy performs. Uh, but right now it's just kind of I think you can drive yourself crazy thinking about everything they said and trying to parse all their words and because you never know wh- what exactly the the uh, the intent is behind anything we get in a, a public press conference. Jacob Adil is with us. Jacob, so let's let's go here in Columbus. You get Adrian, and let's say it doesn't sound like you're going to have Omar. We don't know uh, how severe the the air quote Knicks are for Wandale and Alante Brown. Does it make sense to to toss the football to McCaffrey or jet sweep him, uh, use him that way against Ohio State, along with a few? We got to come up with a Luke McCaffrey type wildcat nickname if he's behind center in that situation. But you know what I'm saying? Do you use him yeah. in other spots? And and Nebraska is really careful to make sure everyone knows McCaffrey's a quarterback. But man, he's such a good athlete; he can go do things in a lot of different spots on the field. You'd be crazy not to use him. Well, see, I struggle with that. Um, obviously, they used him in a couple of trick plays right. last year and had some success with that, so I could see maybe kind of doing something like that. But he is he has been working at quarterback. They say he's a quarterback. Is Just because he's fast, is he really going to provide more value for you as a wide receiver or as kind of a um, uh, whatever? A slash-type player. player yeah. That, yeah, like is uh, – I, I just don't know. Like how – we, we, we see what's happening with Taysom Hill and the Saints right now in the NFL mm-hmm. and kind of the, the weird thing Sean Payton's got going on there. And it just seems like it doesn't really help the team trying to get too cute with that kind of stuff. I think if, uh, if he's not one of your – if he's not your best quarterback and, he's, um, and you don't have him working at wide receiver, I, I have a hard time believing that he'd be one of your best options there too. So I, I – we hear about how great of an athlete he is, and we have seen his speed, and he's made some really nice plays. But I just don't know that um, Nebraska's in a place now where that should be super high on your list of priorities is getting him involved if he hasn't earned a starting job somewhere out there. Jacob Bedell is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Jacob, when I think back to Luke McCaffrey last year, uh, I still kind of remember him as just this kind of this skinny kid who got in uh, a couple series. Um, so what can you say about his physical development this offseason? Uh, I know Verdusco talked about improving some hitches in the throwing motion, but just his physical development, uh, what strides has he made there? And, uh, and how do you think that's going to you know, translate to the field this fall? Yeah, um, I guess we'll see out there. I mean, we haven't, unfortunately, we haven't gotten a chance to um, – see these guys in person really we've done a little bit of the zoom thing but um that's all since the spring like they've got him listed at um 200 pounds um he definitely did not look that last year so i'm sure with uh all the time they've they've had to spend away from the field i'm sure once they kind of got access again and i'm sure back home too like he had a chance to uh keep up his workouts uh with his brothers and everything back home. So I'm sure he's made physical strides, and I think that'll, that'll be big for him in terms of being able to go out there and consistently play. Um, that's one of the things that Martinez certainly had uh, a kind of a leg up on there. Is he is a big, physical, strong dude that can take some hits and keep playing. Um, and McCaffrey, he were kind of worried every time that he took off running, um, teams went to tackle him. So, um that's kind of the thing. Sophomore year or redshirt freshman year, you kind of have a, a full year 
in the strength and develop, uh, strength and conditioning program to kind of really develop your frame and add the good weight to it. And so hopefully he'll be in a much better position physically than he was a year ago. Jacob, I, I want to end football with this. Are you bullish on the offense? Are you thinking it could be mid-30 to upper 30-point producing type offense in the Big Ten? Or are you just kind of pumping the brakes and let's wait and see? What's, what's your feel with the offense? I was uh, a little bullish uh, at, at certain points this offseason. I thought they had a chance to improve kind of with all the pieces they were adding, the, the way they were moving some guys around. Um, but kind of the talk about the wide receiver situation, that has me a little bit scared. Anytime that mm-hmm. you uh, ask about wide receivers and <laughs> not, nothing against these guys, but when the first two, three names that guys are mentioning are walk-ons because those are the guys that have been healthy and consistently played, that's not a great sign. And that's kind of what we've seen the last few years is you haven't had um, the, these wideouts outside of obviously Spielman and Wandale Robinson and um, guys really step up. So if, if Omar Manning isn't what we thought he, uh, if he doesn't give them what they thought um, we're going to get out of them. If Alante Brown uh, isn't out there and hasn't been able to kind of put in enough work to really be a, a big factor there, if Xavier Betts, the, if these young guys, because that's the problem, we're, we're excited about the potential of all these guys they brought in, but there's not much experience there. And if, and we saw last year, we saw basically um, last couple of years, outside of a few key examples, a lot of the, the young guys that they brought in haven't played right away. And they've had to kind of wait their turn. And so are these, are, are uh, Alante Brown and Xavier Betts, are those guys ready to make an impact now? If they're not, and you're looking at Cade Warner and Levi Falk and uh, out wide with uh, Wandale in a slot, that's a little bit less dynamic um, than you were kind of anticipating with Omar Manning and Alante Brown and some of these guys that uh, they've added to the mix here. So. Um, I, I, uh, it, it's going to depend on that health and kind of what they've been able to develop there. And then it's going to come back to the offensive line, too. If the, the moves they've made, if the improvement these guys have, have gone through individually, um, if that allows them to not have to rely on the passing game as much, if they can be a better running team, uh, and that's kind of the first and second option, and then you can just make some big throws and tight ends here and there on third down and, um, kind of keep the chains moving that way, get Wandale in space. If you can do that, then they've got a chance, I think, um, to be solid. But um, it's going to come down to how much progress that unit has made. And so that was good to hear Matt Lubick call it a strength of the team for sure, if uh, that's the way you're looking at it. Jacob, a thought on hoops. I've got about three minutes here. Uh, you get the, the waiver for McGowan's. And uh, touch on, on his addition to this this lineup, I know you've got three guys back with experience. Practice got underway today. You've got a ton of teams coming to Lincoln in the Husker bubble. But uh, how are you feeling here about uh, about Nebraska's prospects with the year two of Hoiberg? Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how this whole picture comes together. And I like a lot of the individual pieces. I like how they theoretically fit on paper. It's just going to be a matter of how effective and efficient um, can they be in the team setting in the Big Ten? And because we're seeing a lot of different guys coming together from different places, varying levels of experience. Um, so you don't know exactly what the, the final picture is going to look like, but they do have a chance to be better, to have the pieces uh, that Fred Hoiberg needs for his system to work well. 
So that's the exciting part. And as for Trey McGowan, uh, Fred Hoiberg talked uh, very highly of him, and uh, that, that was a big addition for them, especially with uh, Kobe King not ending up at Nebraska. That kind of puts you uh, a little shallow in the backcourt in terms of ball handlers. So adding him to that mix, now you feel really good about uh, your situation there. And the question for me is, how uh, Hoiberg's talked about kind of the work they're putting in on his jump shot, his three-point shot, the consistency of it. How, how much progress can he make in just a few months on that, that, that he's been here? Um, because he really struggled with efficiency at Pittsburgh. And part of it was the situation. He had, some, he had zero shooting around him. He was sharing the backcourt with another player with similar strengths and weaknesses and Xavier Johnson. So it, it wasn't a great environment for him to succeed. And the fact that he was a double-digit scorer both years kind of shows uh, points to his talent. But shooting under 40% from the field, shooting 31% from three, that's kind of, more, that's kind of the same stuff that we saw from Nebraska's guards last year. So how, how much progress can McGowan's make in terms of better decision-making with, with hopefully better spacing around him and, and then actually knocking down those shots? If he can be um, much more effective in, in those areas, then you play and you can play him next to a guy like uh, Delano Banton and Teddy Allen. You've got a chance to have a lot of playmakers out there on the field and a lot of guys that teams are going to have uh, trouble defending. Jacob Padilla talking Husker hoops, Husker football at Jacob Padilla underscore. Jacob, awesome to chat, buddy. Thanks for jumping on today. Yep, catch up with you guys later. All right. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Doug Davis with us. Dr. Doug, good to talk with you again. How are you? Doing just fine, Chris. Thanks. All right. Well, a lot of fantasy owners and a lot of Cowboy fans out there sick to their stomach, feeling horrible for Dak Prescott, a gruesome injury Sunday against the Giants. Dr. Doug, let's go through the Dak injury. And uh, this thing's pretty complicated. It looked horrific. Yeah, so you know, the uh, the videos don't lie, you know, when you when you see uh, things going directions, body parts going directions, they're not supposed to go. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, it does it gets kind of gruesome, but um, you know, reality of it is that um, they were able to get right after this one and and you know, get his surgery taken care of uh, that evening. But what we know is that he had a fracture dislocation um, of his ankle, and what that means means is that um, the ankle uh, bone itself, the bone that sits between your foot and your and your leg bone, that ankle bone was uh, moved off to the side from where it's supposed to be. That's the dislocation. The reason that it was able to dislocate is because the two bones that come down and surround the ankle, um, those would be the two bumps on either side of your ankle, those two bones also broke and so as those bones broke that lost the containment for the for the um, ankle bone and it was able to slide off to the side and that's why you get the uh, really kind of gruesome appearance that you saw in all the videos 
Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday, and we're talking Dak Prescott, his fracture and dislocation. So I, I'm familiar uh, with Alex Smith, and I'm familiar with Teddy Bridgewater, just how horrific their injuries were with this uh, injury. I mean, I saw Dak getting carted off, and bless his heart, uh, he was leaning on his faith as he was carted off. And I'm, I'm interested just the, the severity. Yes, it's super gruesome and it, it's got to be extremely painful. But from a timeline here of, of just risk of life, where does this kind of compare to, to those other two injuries I've touched on? Yeah, so the ankle um, is um, a joint that when it fractures, and that bone moves off to the side, like we talked about with the dislocation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, if there's an advantage, I hate to say it that way, but one advantage to that as opposed to a knee injury is that usually it, the dislocation is associated with the fractures, whereas in the knee, the dislocation is usually associated with ligament injuries. Nah. And so in this situation, um, being able to um, repair the fractures, and as we all know, bone can you know, heal anatomically and be lined up exactly perfectly. Um, when that can be done, the outlook is really very good. Um, when you add a bone injury along with a ligament injury, then, you know, then things can get more complex with that. Um, when you talk about Alex Smith, Alex Smith's uh, fracture was really in a in a completely different uh, area, and and uh, you know, just a lot more uh, problems with swelling and soft tissue problems with that, um, and that's why the complications occurred in in, the, in Alex Smith's situation uh, because of the of the soft tissue around it. So, uh, I guess what I'm saying is that um, ankle fracture dislocations can be things where uh, people can come back and and function at very high levels. I would not be surprised uh, if he's able to come back and and function at the same level that he was playing at before. Dr. Doug, let's talk about the surgery for uh, and what what happened with Dak. Just the the process of of going in and cleaning up that mess and then you know a timeline uh, Dallas and Jerry Jones said uh, yesterday that Dak is still our future now uh, Dak's got leverage taken away from him when it comes to contract stuff but they aren't running from him uh, as far as the quarterback for Dallas but uh, a lot of a lot of elements to discuss here specifically his return and then the process to get him out of the hospital yeah, so the surgery uh, is a pretty straightforward deal. Um, uh, the initial thing that you're trying to do is, make, is uh, and, and even when they put the air splint on, you know, they're basically trying to just get that uh, dislocation reduced and put back into an alignment. Then from a surgical perspective, it's going in and uh, repairing the bone on either side of the ankle. Uh, typically done with uh, screws only on the inner aspect of the ankle and then with a plate and screws on the outer aspect of the ankle. Um, So once that is uh, completed, um, it's uh, about a six to eight week uh, healing process for the bone to heal up. 
And during that time, especially if there's not much in the way of uh, ligament damage uh, that that goes along with this, there can be some ligament damage that goes with this, uh, not as much as in a knee. But um, that being the case, they're able to, after about three or four weeks, begin to do some motion with this ankle. And that's going to help him recover much more quickly. It's still going to be, a, you know, a, a four to six month kind of a problem for him. But uh, the potential for return, I think, is good. Dr. Doug Davis with us. Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Dak Prescott. What about lingering effect and, and mobility? Uh, you can get back. You can heal up. But will Dak be the same uh, when it comes to, to getting out of harm's way and get, getting outside that pocket? He was so much fun and hopefully will be fun again to watch uh, on the move. Well, yeah, I mean, this this guy was, uh, I, I believe he was uh, uh, leading the NFL in terms of passing yardage. Yeah. And, you know, the, the part of that was his ability to scramble to get out of the way, but he, he was also good in the pocket. And, uh um, you know he's going to be he's going to be able to do those things at a level that still probably puts him, um, you know, in good shape in the NFL. Whether he's going to be as mobile, um, gosh, I, you know, there's good surgeons out there, but uh, it's pretty tough to put somebody back the way the good Lord put them together. Uh, last thought here, Doctor Doug, uh, when it comes to just stability with that ankle and lingering pain. Uh, you know that's the that's the back plant foot for him to to get that that uh, RPM you know to to yeah. channel it up. Is that a concern? Yeah, the the push off ability, the first quick step ability to get out of the pocket. Those are those are going to be the places where you're going to most likely see a difference in him, um, and and uh, you know that may that may take a little bit off of his. Uh, uh, the depth of his ball. Um, I think in the in the shorter passing games, he's going to be he's going to look like not much changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you may see a difference in some of the longer uh, longer throws, uh, the throws you know the wide uh, flat throws. Those may end up. Uh, being a little less zip on him because of the push-off. Dr. Doug Davis, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Dak Prescott. Dr. Doug, thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, you take care, Chris. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. What final time? Busy day today. Good stuff from Jacob Padilla, uh, Mike Babcock, phenomenal, Brad Edwards, Mike Schuart, and thanks to Dr. Doug on the Zach or make that uh, Dak Prescott injury. So I was looking at Tuesday night football last night. Tennessee was all over it. And the Derrick Henry stiff arm seen around the world. The best meme I saw for that was the the front of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's home where Jazz would get thrown out, always by Uncle Phil. Mm. And they had... They had the uh, the unfortunate party, the defensive back, who was great with Washington. Help me out. The defensive back for the, the Derrick Henry just abused. Oh. Uh, Free agent guy, made a lot of money, Carolina. 
Now he's not in Carolina anymore. I, I blanked on it. I should have written his name down. We all saw Derrick Henry do bad things to that little corner. Uh, Josh Norman? Josh Norman. And Norman's a really good corner. Mm-hmm. But that's just freight train and U-Haul. <laughs> You know, a uh, reminder about uh, buckling up uh, 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed or high, never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working every day to stop before more people are killed or injured. If you are going to drive and you, you do have to drive, don't drink. And if you do drink, get that designated driver or get a ride share. DUIs cost more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So tomorrow we are live at Seacrest Field ahead of Gretna, Lincoln Southeast. Gary Barnett is golfing, so we'll kick the show off with Barney before he tees off. Brandon Vogel's going to be with us. Coach Catula of Southeast is locked in. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will be with us. Also here from longtime Nebraska assistant George Darlington. Coach Darlington and then uh, Gretna coach Kale with us. So we are loaded up tomorrow, Friday, happy hour with Hale Varsity at Wilderness Ridge 4-6. to six. Me and Shuey going to be doing the show. We have another uh, date scheduled in November at Wilderness, which is just awesome. Our old boy Jay Moore is going to be with us there. Jay's out of town Friday. And Shuey's so fun to sit in with like we did in August. So plenty of football thoughts. And Elijah's glaring at me because he is back here on Friday. But uh, foot, you're, you're going to be in uh, doing scoreboards and all that uh, yeah, good tomorrow stuff night, tomorrow yeah. night. So I will I will talk to you at some point tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really fast have one last thought on this, uh, this Derrick Henry, uh, Josh Norman thing. Mm-hmm. I, I know you're a history guy. Uh, so the, the tweet I saw is from Roger Sherman of The Ringer. Mm-hmm. And he said, I haven't seen a Henry conquer a Norman like this since King Henry V invaded the north of France in 1415. Well, of, of course. And I'm sure there was an ode <laughs> to it on, on Game of Thrones, right, with the invasion. Uh, wow decisions what are you doing for dinner tonight because I've, I've been roped into taking my wife out for dinner a second night in a row mm, i was thinking mac and cheese and hot dogs right together oh of course you cut up the hot dog put it in the mac and cheese are you an oscar meyer guy do you go with brats do you like hebrew national i mean what's your what's your take on, on oh dogs? i'm a nebraska kid so i'm going so fairberry. fairberry are you kidding me i i get it and i love the time to- you got to go tommy boy fairberries oh the fat, fat ones oh yeah, yeah, the, oh, yeah. The, the big fat ones good enough Tomorrow, Seacrest, ahead of uh, Southeast Gretna. Busy day. Thanks for tuning in to Hale City. Find the uh, podcast on Spotify.